Oh, it's just so hard. Uh, it's taking longer than I thought, so I just decided to quit. <laughs> I overheard that, by the way, in a Starbucks the other day. I was standing around waiting for my coffee to be completed. I heard someone sitting at a table who used to work at Starbucks saying to a friend why they quit. <laughs> I, I kind of leaned in. I couldn't help it. I think it might have been the whiny tone. <laughs> and then when I glanced over and looked at the guy who was sitting there, I thought, oh, poor thing. It looked as though he was careful carrying bowling balls. He was just slumped over and his face was sagging and he just looked so defeated. Then I glanced at the person sitting at the other side of the table and she looked at him with a look of squinty disdain. <laughs> she said, you quit because you thought it was too hard? You've got to be kidding me. She was clearly frustrated. Yeah, it was just too hard. I couldn't learn it quickly enough. And, and I, so I just decided I was going to quit. <sighs> I might be exaggerating his tone, but that's sure what it hit me like. <laughs> oh. Maybe you've heard that before. <laughs> Maybe you've found yourself even saying it before. In your own head, maybe you weren't whining. Maybe you've heard other people say it and they weren't whining. Or maybe you've heard another version of that as an excuse for why people don't start things. They talk about starting. They say, I'm going to, I'm going to, I plan to. But they never really get around to starting. And when asked, they say, well... I don't think I'm going to start because I'm sure it's going to be harder than I imagine or it's going to take longer than I want. It'll probably cost me more than it should. So I'll just talk about starting and I'll never start. Hi, I'm Dee Hicks, and welcome to the School of Leadership, leveraged lessons from high-impact leaders. For the past 30 years, I've researched the disciplines, habits, mental models, and assumptions of the most effective leaders. This podcast takes what I've learned from over 2,000 of these influencers and distills it into practical tools and tips you can use immediately. So let's get started. Great mental models make great leaders. Well, this is the third in a series of these podcasts where I lay out some of the great mental models that I've uncovered that these leaders who I call great, who you might even know and you would call great as well, all walk around with. I need to come up with a title. I need to come up with a way of describing this great mental model in a short way so you can carry it around in your head. So I'm going to borrow the title from Matthew Kelly's book written back in the day called The Long View. Matthew Kelly, he's the guy who said we tend to overestimate what we can do in a day and underestimate what we can do in a decade. Some people attribute that phrase to Bill Gates, but I really really like the idea of the long view. That's the mental model I want to unpack. When I ask you if you have this mental model, if you do, good for you. Keep going, teach other people. If you don't have this mental model and it's not well developed for you, well, you can. You can add this way of thinking about yourself and your work and the world in which you live to your arsenal of mental models. Let's look at this concept of the long view as a mental model. 
The basic idea is this, that great leaders have this great mental model. They know that things take a long time and they will only have success, they will only gain the results thereafter if they stick with it in the same direction for a long, long time. I realize this kind of flies in the face of literally everything <laughs> that is true in our popular culture. We want everything to be fast. We want to get results right away. If we don't get those results right away, we tend to get discouraged and we tend to question our direction and give up when really all good things happen over a long period of time. And today's cigar, you wondered, right? Here we are a few minutes into this podcast and you haven't even heard what cigar I'm smoking. <laughs> well, I picked this cigar on purpose because it's got a really old brand name. It's called a Gurkha. Lighting it up right here. The one I'm smoking today is called a Gurkha Triple Ligero. It's a Toro-sized cigar, so that means it's about six inches long, a little over six inches, I think, about a 52 ring. It is a delightful cigar. I'm not a huge fan of all of the Gurkha cigars, but this one I like a lot, and it's pretty highly rated. It lights really smoothly and easily. It has a nice, super dark Maduro wrapper. If you like those, that's kind of my favorite. If they taste well, it's got a really nice, not quite sweet, but enjoyable enjoyable taste when I first light it up. It smells a bit like a um, like a campfire with green pine on it. <laughs> it's a good smell though. It's not a bad smell. Lots of smoke. I think it's Dominican and Honduran and Nicaraguan all kind of mixed together. The wrapper is a Brazilian Maduro wrapper. One of my all-time favorites. It's wonderful. I like this a lot. Brand is old. Brand's been around for over 100 years. I think it was kind of resurrected maybe 10 or 15 years ago and improved a bit as time has gone. On. So that's my cigar that I'm going to be enjoying today. Since it's six inches, it's likely it will last me this entire podcast. So I wish you were here, wish you were sitting, like I always say, right over there. I'm motioning off to my right, right back in the corner, about 12 feet from me. That's where the two cigar chairs are currently unoccupied. If you listen carefully, you can't hear other people breathing or snickering or, or clinking in their glasses of bourbon, which they would be enjoying if there was anyone sitting there. And I'm recording today on a Tuesday afternoon. Not normal. I don't usually record on a Tuesday afternoon. I, I like recording on the weekends. I like recording Friday nights or Saturday, sometimes Sunday mornings. When everything slows down. There's no distractions. And I've been thinking about what I want to share with you for quite some time. And that's what today is. However, it's a Tuesday. <laughs> and so there we have it. You're probably also wondering, what am I doing by way of a bourbon? Okay, let me hold this. Let's see. There it is. You can hear it. It's got one ice cube in it, of course, because I just like my bourbon cold. So don't let it really melt very much, although in this podcast, I'll probably be letting it melt quite a bit because I'm going to be yammering the whole time. But guess what? I'm doing good old tried and true Buffalo Trace. Now, I picked Buffalo Trace because the Buffalo Trace distillery is reported to be the oldest continually operating distillery in the United States. They've been at it for over 200 years. What is now called the Buffalo Trace Distillery is the only distillery that was allowed to continue legally <laughs> making whiskey, making bourbon during the prohibition in the United States. And they did it under the air quotes, medicinal clause <laughs> in the prohibition act so they could uh, they could continue to make bourbon for medicinal purposes <laughs> doesn't that just make you chuckle <laughs> anyway buffalo trace i'm sure you've had it before if you haven't just run out and get yourself a bottle it's a cool looking bottle it is a wonderful bourbon 
Oh yeah, that's very, very good. Very good stuff. I'll set the glass down over here so you don't hear it clinking away way too much in the background and annoy you if you're not a bourbon drinker. Or annoy you more if you're listening to this and you're not at a time and place where you can enjoy some bourbon. This Buffalo Trace is a 90 proof. It's not possible, I don't think, to find out what the mash bill is on this because they keep it pretty quiet. It's very, very good. It's aged around 8, I think 8 to 10 years. It's a good price point too. I think I can get a bottle of this in our area up here on the peninsula in the state of Washington for yeah, anywhere from 24 to 34 bucks plus $150 in tax. I might be exaggerating just slightly, but that's sort of what it feels like. Mm. It's quite good. And again, I picked this because I want to make a point that really good things take a long time. And if you and I, as an effective leader or a manager or a supervisor, someone who's trying to influence other people to do great things, if we are going to be effective, we have to adopt the same mental model that the Buffalo Trace Distillery people did. Folks have been doing it for 200 years. It's been around a long time. This is great bourbon. I enjoyed it a lot. Very, very good. Oh, it's 90 proof, so your first sip, well, you'll notice the sip. you notice the alcohol, but it won't just slap you upside of the head and choke you in the throat so you can't breathe for a minute like you're in some old saloon on your first sip. We'll leave that for the 110 proof stuff and higher. But this one doesn't do that. This one is quite nice. Very enjoyable. Very enjoyable stuff. All right, so today's great mental model. It's the long view. Just keep going because all good stuff takes a long time. It's harder than you think. It's interesting to me by that by contrast, things that you think folks would stick with it for a long time. If they stuck with it, then it would just sort of pay off over the long time, like compound interest, all of that. Well, people don't do it in the areas of life that really, really matter because they often give up. Now, that's, of course, not you and I, but I find it, I find it fascinating that it's easy to look around and find all sorts of illustrations of people giving up and of not doing the small, important things consistently over a long period of time to make the outcome that they're after or to create the future that they want. For example, U.S. marriages now last a about, on average, seven and a half years. Seven and a half years. It's amazing. Friendships. I wondered about that too. The average friendship lasts about seven years. Isn't that intriguing? Uh, what about work? The average tenure at work in 2020 was about 4.1 years. Now that combined public sector and private sector. Now public sector tends to stay at work a little bit longer. They tend to stick around in their jobs another year or two longer on average. And private sector tends to stick around in their jobs a little bit less on average. Part of that reason I think is because folks who are in public sector tend to be older. So they're kind of settling down just a little bit more. And folks in private sector tend generally to be younger. So they will tend to change change jobs more. Gym memberships. Isn't it interesting? Maybe you have a gym membership. How long have you had it? <laughs> I'm not going to ask if you use it, but how long have you had it? Gyms have a 50% turnover per year in their gym membership. 50% turnover per year. And the number one reason why people give up their gym membership is that they didn't use it, <laughs> right? They got the membership. They planned on going to the gym, but they just didn't do it. So eventually they realized that automatic withdrawal coming out for $89 a month for their gym. Eh, I'm just not going to do that. And so they begrudgingly gave up their gym membership. What an interesting business model, by the way, to have people pay a membership for something and then you are more profitable if they don't use it than if they do. Ha, maybe that's for another podcast. What about how long people live in their homes? 
It's about 10 years right now. People live in their homes about on average 10 years and then they flip it into another home. There's a lot of reasons behind that, of course. I'm not saying that's bad. I just find it intriguing. What about reading? Do you know that 60% of books that are purchased, whether ebooks or the majority of books are still print books, a vast majority of books sold are still print books, but either ebook or print books, about 60% of books purchased are never even opened. <laughs> oh, what about a healthy diet? Let's think about that. You know, you, if you decide you're going to eat differently, you're going to eat a Mediterranean diet or something like that, or you're going to, you're going to put the fork down and that's your new diet called put the fork down, right? <laughs> if that's your new diet, if you are kind of the bulk of people, oh, pardon the word bulk there, but you know what I mean. <laughs> if you are among the mass, still not a good word. If you are among the largest group of people, ah, still not a good word. If you're average, there we go. The average person will stick with a new healthy diet about five and a half months. Probably won't see any long-term results until seven or eight months in any kind of new physical health regimen that you're trying to stick to. Isn't that fascinating? They just don't stay with it for a long period of time. But people stick with their checking accounts for an average of 17 years, even though the checking account fees have quadrupled over the last few years. Huh. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. But people give up on things that matter. Where you have your checking account doesn't matter, by the way. But the things that really matter in life, we tend to give up on. Well, what we're talking about today is not giving up on the things that matter. Not giving up on the work you're doing as a leader or a manager or an influencer of people. So let's unpack this great mental model, this long view mental model that things take time and things take work and things take effort, that the stuff in life that really matters takes time and energy over a long period of time in the same direction. Let's unpack it. What are some of the elements of that? Well, first element is that consistency matters, that I need to do the, the things that leaders do <laughs> over and over and over and over consistently in small ways. The second characteristic of this long view mental model is progress matters. Incremental, small progress every day, every day without fail in the direction you're trying to head really matters. I'm reminded of Amabile and Kramer's book called The Progress Principle. That's where they just lay out that, that small progressive steps create this inner psychological and even physiological momentum that lead to more small progressive steps. Doesn't that sound like Isaac Newton again? <laughs> we talked about our good friend Isaac in our last podcast. Isaac Newton talked about the concept of momentum, that there's a little bit of effort over a long period of time, a long haul in the same direction, and it just keeps going once that momentum is built. He also observed that if A smacks into B, B will smack back into A with equal and opposite force. But what if A keeps on smacking into B? Well, eventually B will start to move in the direction that it needs to go. Great leaders know this in their soul. They know that if they just keep applying force, the force of their will, the force of leadership, the force of vision, the force of engagement, the force of clarity and alignment, they know that. That if they just keep applying that force and just keep going, that it will begin to build momentum. And so they know that they set their lives up so that they can have emotional, spiritual, mental, and physical energy to keep applying the force of leadership. 
they also know that they need to strip away all of those things in their life that hinder them. And they even need to strip away some of their more base, distracting, selfish appetites that really easily entangle them so that they can run a race, so they can run a race with perseverance, because they know that this race marked out for them is going to pay off in the long haul. They look around, they see others have done this, others that are their contemporaries, others that are in history, and they know that if it just keep going and looking ahead, that their work will pay off. So that's all under the idea of the progress principle, the idea that progress matters. Okay, so not only does consistency matter, small things done over and over and over, but progress matters. Make incremental progress every day. Build momentum and it will start to pay off. If they experience resistance, what Newton calls friction, <laughs> if they experience that equal and opposite force pushing back on them, they've already set themselves up mentally and physically so that they do not get discouraged when the inertia of life around them pushes back. All right, so here's the third idea as we unpack this long view mental model that all great leaders have got. Focus matters. Focus on a few things that matter. They're, not everything matters. Not everything matters in life. A few things matter. They're able to separate the noise from the signal, the signal from the noise. That's an idea from big data. If you're trying to understand a whole bunch of data and see what it tells you, then you need to be able to gather lots of information, but be able to separate the information, the data that's just noise and understand the information that is signal. It has meaning to it. So focus matters. This great mental model in operation means that you and I don't let ourselves get distracted by the shiny things, the tempting things of life that in and of themselves in that moment feel real, but they're not. They're a distraction from what really matters. We also know, as we unpack this great mental model, that there's a difference between, well, let's go back to, let's go back to Newton. He's kind of my favorite person the last few weeks as we apply some of his laws and rules to our lives as leaders. He's the one who identified the difference or described the difference between velocity and speed. Think about this for just a minute. Speed, really, simply put, is about movement and velocity is about movement in a given direction. So as you and I apply this, somebody could have a lot of speed. We call that person busy. They're doing a lot of things very fast, very quickly. They're flying through their to-do list. Somebody who has velocity is moving from A to B, from here, from where we are now to where we want to be, to that focus, to that purpose or that mission that they're after as an organization or as a leader of the organization. They're moving from here to there. And I hope you're tracking with me, there is crystal clear. That is where I'm going. So if you are a busy person, then you are somebody who has a lot of speed. But if you're moving in a direction that is clear and not easily distracted or pulled off course from that direction, you are a person who has velocity. One of the things we look for, by the way, when we're hiring somebody to work in a key position in our organizations as a leader is a thing we call velocity of work. And we do not mean we hire people who have a lot of frenetic energy who move quickly. It's as though they're bouncing around and running around in circles and jumping up and heading in any direction that hits them in the moment. We don't want speed. We want velocity. 
Velocity is movement in the same direction over a long period of time. And we want them to have a high velocity of work. What I mean very specifically by that is they have a high degree of clarity and they don't let themselves get distracted from their purpose in that job or in that workplace. If you can zoom out or if you can zoom in, we don't want them to be distracted from their own purpose in life. Do they even have one? Are they even clear about that? Well, what about you? Do you have crystal clarity about what your purpose is? What is your direction? Maybe even you have a life mission. I do. Years ago, I created this life mission, or it was given to me, or an amalgam of both. I'm not sure. but And here it is. I don't share it often because it's for me, but I'm going to share it with you as an illustration of why I have a high velocity of work. Even though if you encounter me on a day-to-day basis, I appear to never be in a hurry. Not a lot of speed. I'm focused on the direction that I'm pointed. I'm focused on my mission. And my mission is this, to support and encourage and protect high-impact leaders and to use my own companies and those that I support to teach other people how to create the future. That's my mission. Now, there's a lot I could unpack there, but this isn't about mission statements or my mission. This is really to illustrate that folks who have this great mental model of the long view have high velocity, but they may not have high speed because they're spending their time and energy moving in a clear and compelling direction and are not easily distracted from that. So is that you? Think about it. Think about your day today or yesterday. If you're courageous, think over your last month. Have you been going backward and forward and left and right and and running in circles or standing still because you don't know what to do? Or are you crystal clear about your direction? And if you are responsible for a group of people, large or small, heading in a direction, are you so crystal clear about that that they cannot help but be crystal clear about your mission as well? Hmm. Think about that. And if this describes you, you can do something about this right now. All the great leaders that I know have this mental model. They know that things take a long time, longer than I want. They know that things take a lot of effort, more than I'm probably expecting, and that the status quo is going to always push back on me. They expect it. Well, what's the solution? To build up physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and relational margins so that they can continually lead because it is intense. Why would they do this at all? Why would any of us just keep going if we didn't think it was worth it? Well, if it's worth it to you because you are crystal clear about the direction you're heading, you're crystal clear about the purpose of your work, then you can put all those disciplines and habits in place. You can change your expectations about the resistance that would come your way. You can change your expectations about how hard something is and how long it will take. And you can change your expectations about how quickly things will move around you, especially at the beginning. So I wanted to turn to the guy in Starbucks, and I didn't do this. I didn't, uh, I promise, I didn't do it. But I wanted to turn to him and walk over to the table and say, Of course, it's harder than you thought. Of course, it was more difficult than you imagined. Of course, it takes longer than you thought. The other side of that is where life is. Buck up, buttercup, with all due respect. I could imagine myself saying that. (laughs) I didn't. 
Maybe I should have. I don't know. Probably wouldn't have done any good. He was loving, languishing in his own lack of momentum. He had let the inertia of life reclaim him. <laughs> but that's not you. You're doing good work. You're doing important work. So adopt this great mental model called the long view. Yes, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a lot of effort, but just keep doing it one day at a time. We need you to succeed. Keep it up. Here's to you. I'm toasting you with this wonderful glass of Buffalo Trace. Mm. Keep it up. Thanks for joining me. I know your time is valuable and I appreciate the opportunity to spend some of it with you. If this was worthwhile, why not take a minute and share this podcast with a friend? You could also check out our YouTube channel that's packed full of more ideas that will help you grow as a leader. It's called the Hilt Academy on YouTube. H-I-L-T stands for High Impact Leadership Training. You can also find my latest books on Amazon. Just search for Dr. D. Hicks, or you can find out more on dhicks.com. Once again, thanks. Keep up the good work. Thank you.